Hey, we're live and we're going, and it's Dirt from the Road. We're rolling tape. Brett Newski speaking to you. A couple years ago, just as kind of an exercise to feel better and get out of my own head, I made a few dumb drawings, like quirky little illustrations, making fun of my own depression, like what to do if someone doesn't reply to an email and you're paranoid that they hate you, or uh, what to do if you drink too much caffeine and you're freaking out. Just kind of these like quirky, weird little illustrations, and you know, my, my drawing ability hasn't really moved past a fourth grade illustration level, and it's still where it is today, but it still kind of works, and I started putting these up online, and uh, the, the response was really way better than I ever would have thought. People were like, oh, that's kind of funny, that's, you know, keep making these things, these are fun, and you know, people were commenting, making fun of me. It was cathartic. We were kind of like, you know, bouncing ideas back and forth on like, oh yeah, I get this kind of massive anxiety too in these little depressive ruts. And this, I've actually used these drawings to kind of help me pull out of the lurch a little bit. So I kept drawing and drawing. And by the end of three years, I had enough dumb drawings to uh, make a book. And I'm releasing my first book and it's called it's hard to be a person defeating defeating anxiety, surviving the world, and having more fun. So it's been a damn struggle to finish. I mean, um, it's gonna we're gonna announce the pre-order on Friday. So the the podcast listeners are gonna get first dibs on the pre-order, um, which is up now on my website brettnewski.com. It's in the merch store and it's listed on the homepage there. But you can, yeah, you can pre-order the book. There's also an eight-track like album of new songs that comes with it. And uh, Stephen Page from Bare Naked Ladies sings on the opening track. He's my first musical hero. And that single will come out on Friday. But yeah, pick up the book. Uh, it, inclu- it includes a tour poster for everyone who pre-orders. And I'm pretty pumped about it. It feels like a huge weight off my shoulders to to finally finish a thing, you know? I got such shiny object syndrome with projects. I got like 10 projects going at once. Can't organize my brain to like wrap them up all the time, you know? It's a hyperspeed world. Too much tech, too many windows open at once on the MacBook. So finally, the book is done. I know a lot of you are asking about it, so we, we finally... Got it rolling to the presses now. It's June 22nd is the official release date. Um, but I, I hope it helps you. I feel like music is is highly medicinal and cathartic, and I love using music to feel better and get out of my own head. But I, 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 I'm excited about this book because I feel like it can, it can be even more useful than, than, than records in a lot of ways, just because there's, there's so much tangible... Um, tactics and like exercises that I've used over the years to to get out of my own head and kind of combat some of this anxiety st- anxiety stuff and the and the depression to quote Gary Gallman the depression that can come with that so keep in mind I am by no means a doctor I'm just a local man who spends way too much time in his own head today on the podcast Frontman of the band Guster, Ryan Miller, and ah, one of my favorite dudes, one of my favorite bands, just perfect jangly guitar rock, just strong fucking songwriting, 
and uh, not afraid to be a little geeky, you know, which I really appreciate. With Guster, you know, if you follow them, it's not about scene cred or cool points. They're not wearing sunglasses and leather jackets and tight pants. They're just they're just good fellas playing really good music. So, without further ado, Brian Miller, Guster, Dirt from the Road. Boop. I would say generally morale is, is good. Yeah, it's good. Maybe maybe better than good. I wouldn't say great, but better than good. Yeah. Are morale and morals, are those related? I don't even, are those like cousin words to each other? Mm, I mean, morale could be like, I don't know. I, I mean, they're, they're cousins. Maybe they're like kissing cousins. <laughs> Like they 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 like they're together, but they shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, I remember kissing cousins from the swing set. Is that where you first heard about it? Where you like swing with your buddy in the same uh, pendulum parallel? Where Where did you grow up? In uh, outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, I love Milwaukee. Um, I might. I mean, we're. I'm from Texas, so maybe that was a little too close to home. Yeah, because we're actually kissing cousins. <laughs> Yeah, I remember like my cousin Josh, he was like our older cousin and my brother and I were like obsessed with him. He was like our hero. And then we would always try to swing in the same pendulum motion on the swing set so we could be kissing cousins with Josh because that was the the only time he thought we were cool, I think. I never heard it in relationship to the swing set uh, sync up, but it makes sense to me and I like it. And I'll, that's a good, I'm going to write that down as a as a lyric. If you don't mind, yeah, please do. Were I'll you give a... you, I'll give you, I'll give you four percent of that one. <laughs> if yeah, I write yeah. the kissing cousins, if like I write 4%. the kissing cousins. <laughs> Were you a swing set guy as a kid? Like, what was your mode of play as a uh, little man? I think I was like a BMX bike guy. Um, I skateboarded a little bit, but would never got into super. Hold on, I really do want to write down kissing cousins. Um, cool, kissing cousins. I don't know how that's gonna sing. Um, I was like, you know, I grew up in the suburbs of Dallas, Texas. Um, so I was like riding BMX bikes, um, you know, just around until, yeah, until I got a car when I was 16. Yeah, I was like a, I was like a bike kid and a little bit of a skateboard kid. And then I had a, and then I had a Honda. What is the what is like the BMX bike world look like in your youth? Is that like, are you in tournaments or are you just kind of like goofing oh, off no. and abandoned swimming pools we were goofing off we had a place near our house um it was like train tracks uh we called it the rat hole um there was no rats there but it was like train tracks and like you know we would jump bikes and 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 i was i was starting to explore a little bit then too like um you know i would like i would go further than i was you know there was like a big huge swath where i was allowed to bike but then I would kind of push it and be like, "Oh, I'm in a new place I've never been." You know, I was, I was, I've always been an explorer, like yeah. a, like an actual physical explorer of places. I don't think I've ever really linked it to that part of my life, but I think it did kind of start there, where I was like, "Oh, we're gonna go really far. We're gonna go to this place we've never been outside of our neighborhood," kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I remember that. Like, 
what a big deal it was to go the extra block or you would go an extra city street over that you'd never been in. It was an entirely new universe because you're tiny and one city block is like, yeah. you know, a hundred times of what it is when you're an adult and you see it as an adult and you're like, oh, wow, that, I could have walked there in three minutes. Wait, so did you say you grew up in Milwaukee or outside of Milwaukee? Yeah, outside of Milwaukee. Um, but I love riding my bike around Milwaukee. That's like one of my favorite biking towns, actually. Oh, um, cool, man. Because there's like, there's like, you know, you can go along the lake and there's all the cool shit in the middle. And then there's what is, yep. is it called the third ward or something oh, yeah. where all the big, yeah. and then that's down there. But then you have the, that really cool neighborhood further north that's kind of off the lake that's got all the cool, like, there's like a really hip grocery store that has like an River Atari West. 26, yeah, has an Atari 2600 in the food aisle. <laughs> yeah. uh, and there's like, I love, yeah, I really love, it is one of my favorite biking towns, honestly. But you grew yeah, up in the I'm, suburbs then. I'm biking all the time. I actually grew up in New Berlin, which is uh, three block. I grew up three blocks from Dustin Diamond, all star from Saved by the Bell. And um, I wow. live in Milwaukee proper now. And uh, yeah, I got a, a 1970s Schwinn. I got it for 30 bucks at a rummage sale. And I've been rocking <laughs> that. It's got a basket on the front and uh, it's rickety. But uh, yeah, hell of a biking town. Uh, I love it. Good for you. Love Milwaukee. Yeah, man. Um, what is kind of what's like your your mode of of exercise, kind of to get in like a a good mental health space? What what do you go to? Well, you know, it depends. Like I'm, you know, this has been obviously a strange year. Um, so I've like never spent more than probably six weeks in one place in my entire life. Uh, this has been twelve months, um, and we also we moved to Vermont. Almost 11 years ago, my wife grew up here, and when we ha started having kids, she was like, we're moving. I'm like, I'm never moving to Vermont. I'll die. She's like, but then we had two kids, and then I was like, I couldn't I couldn't fight anymore. Like, we were living in a one-and-a-half-bedroom apartment with no grass. You know, it was like a roof deck, and it, was, it wasn't tenable. So my exercise sort of changes. Like, on the road, I walk a ton, and and... Yeah, I mean, I explore when I'm on the road. I I explore every city all the time. And then here, um, I actually this this winter because it's like a lot of winter here. There's like seven months of winter, and we're probably five months into our seven months of winter. Um, I started playing this thing called paddle tennis, which is a New England he outdoor tennis thing. It's like you can do it without dying like of COVID. It's like pickleball. It's the same size court, but it's uh, you're on a platform that's heated, so it melts the snow, so you can play when it's like a million degrees below zero, and it's got a cage around it that you can play off of. It's 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 so fun, and I play like I'm gonna play in like two hours. I play like two or three times a week. With it's so fun. It's like saved my life. Wow, I never a few things have saved my life. I know it's like I never heard of it either. I mean, I grew up in Texas. I didn't even hear of it when I lived in Boston or New York City. Like, but I got here and someone we there's like eight of us dudes. We all decided to start playing at the same time. So it's been super fun, and it's pretty much my only sense of exercise. Sick. Although the band kind of got into Orange Theory on the road, like our last tour. You know what that is? No. It's like Soul Cycle. It's like a you know, there's like a thousand of them all around the country. Okay. And you like go in and you wear a thing, and they're like, "Go fast!" And then you go fast. You're like, "Okay, now push this!" And then you push, and they're like, "Lift up a thing!" And you lift it up. But it was like, it was really fun <laughs> to like. Extreme. Do, it was a little extreme, 
but it wasn't like super macho because it was like lots of women. Like it wasn't like we're gonna we're gonna yeah. pump you up, but it was just like they told they just told you what to do every thirty seconds. And I hate working out, so I just my ADD worked really well because it was just like okay now go run on the treadmill, and you're like okay now jump jump on the bike on the rowing machine and and row really fast now stop. And so just at the end, it was like an hour went by, and you wear this little thing that says how many calories you burn, and you're like wow I just burned like six hundred calories. You know what I mean? So did they gamified it? They just but I haven't done that. Obviously, like, you'll die if you go to a gym probably now. So I'm not going <laughs> to die yet. But when I, I get the vaccine, I'm going in again. I love this um, outdoor paddle ball because you're in a cage. And it sounds like outdoor racquetball meets UFC, which I can get behind. <laughs> no, I hope I didn't conflate the, the, <laughs> the orange theory with the paddle ball. That would be a cool thing. No, t- the paddle tennis is just really, you're, you're playing tennis with your bros. There's nobody yelling at you. There's no machismo, except yeah. like when you spike it. Because one, one of the rules we figured out is if you hit someone with the ball, you get the point. <laughs> so there's a little bit of incentivizing to hit someone. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we're pretty, we're all dads. You know what I mean? No one's, no one's, hurt, no one's here to hurt each other. I love that you got like, you know, your buds in on, in on it and you're like making tournament brackets. That I was really obsessed with that as a kid. I would like all get all the neighborhood kids over. We'd have like 20 kids in the yard. We'd pick teams and then I would draw this massive NCAA style bracket on the wall. And then we would all just like beat the shit out of each other in driveway three on three basketball. We, it's funny you say that, like one of the dudes, because this is like, you know, most of my friends before I moved to Vermont were all artists or all creative people. They're like, you know, musicians and writers and actors and whatever, the whole thing. And when I moved here, there's not a lot of those people around. I mean, there are sort of, but yeah, they're not here right. in mass in the same way they are. And you probably can recognize this being from Milwaukee. You yep. probably feel this exactly. So my friends here, especially like, my wife became friends with a few women and then we just formed this whole, and they were, I call them my norm core friends. Cause like, <laughs> they're, they're, but they're like, you know, there's like a lawyer and there's a marketing guy and there's a, an architect guy. And yeah. then, but the, the engineer and the, they're lovely. I mean, they're, they're basically their family at this point, but the engineer was the one that instigated the, um, the bracket. So like there's eight of us that play and every week we switch partners and then we count our we count our wins and at the end of the bracket, whoever, I don't know. I don't know what the incentive is other than just to win. Yeah, um, yeah. But wait, but there is a total tournament bracket and the engineer brought it into the game. It was awesome. I, on that note, I have this vivid memory now of fifth grade and the teacher was like teaching math, Mr. Hanser. And I hated math, just could never wrap my head around it. So I was in the back of the class, like drawing this, I'd heard of the 64 team bracket, but I thought I would try to draw like a weird number, like 137 team bracket. And I like taped four pieces of paper together and I was in the back there going at it, drawing. And he called me out. He stopped the class. He's like, Brett, what are you doing? Bring me that paper. And I had to bring it to the front of the room. And this guy, Hanser, I mean, he was like a comedian. Like he got away with shit you could never get away with these days. Like he made me cry on the first day for forgetting to put my name on a, on a math test. He threw like a stunt math test on the first day just to freak all the kids out. But he yeah. pulled my bracketology out. He stopped class and he did an hour, no joke, Ryan, an hour monologue making fun of me 
because there was no way a 137 team bracket was going to work out. And he basically turned it into a comedy bit. And uh, this guy had been teaching for so long, he would just do shit like that and just completely fuck with the system to keep himself entertained. And it was uh, it was incredible. He was my favorite teacher of all time, even though he made me cry like three or four times. <laughs> Joe Hanser, I know. It's, call in. It's like, it's like he, he made you cry, but he's also your favorite teacher. I like that. What is that? There's something about that when, you know, you might like have an arch rival and you're like at each other's throats or you have a grudge or, um, and then at some point in time, you just kind of like let it go or you make up and then you're like closer than you would have ever been before if you didn't have that like rivalry at one time. What is that? Yeah, that's like, it's like almost a romantic. It's like the people that repulse you. You're like, oh, why do I hate you so much? And then you're like, oh, but I love you. You know what I mean? I think it's just anybody that can draw an extreme emotion from you because, like, they can see you. Maybe, yeah. And the people, it makes sense, though. It's like if somebody make you cry, it's like you care about them because if you didn't care what they thought, then why would it make you cry? Yeah. And maybe the fact that it started out, like, with trauma and him making you cry on day one made you want to, like, please him he probably knew what he was doing oh, totally. it's like a pretty that's a pretty basic like psychological trick actually yeah yeah H- have you ever had any anything like that with like an <laughs> do you have any arch rivals in your adult life because that'd be fun to talk oh about. i had some rival yeah because i'm i'm like a very chill dude and there's like people people i don't like i don't people don't i don't know i'm i'm like i'm a get along kind of guy you know what i mean uh, i don't get mad about a lot of stuff um but there's a few people that really bum me out. Um, not not arch rivals, but there's some people that I'm just like, oh, why do I hate that guy so much? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. There's like a guy who's pretty famous, actually, who I cross paths with, and I'm definitely not going to say his name, but he's like very popular and famous now. Um, and every time I see him, I'm like, ooh, he like really upsets me. <laughs> and actually, my he upsets my wife, too. And the other day, my wife and I were talking about it. I was like, what is it about that guy? Like, why does it bother me so much? And she's just like, and I think it was like, he doesn't feel like a real person to me. He feels like a faker, like a fake dude. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm like, Oh, this is like the world is, is like, think this guy is like a cool dude, but he's actually not a real dude. He's like kind of a faker guy. So I think that, but that that's very, that's very obtuse, but uh, obscured. But I, yeah, that's like my only guy where I'm like, why does that guy bother me? And I've even thought about it before. I'm like, why does he bother me? I need to get the, over this. Like, why do I care about this guy? He doesn't care about me, you know? Yeah, is it um, Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> Can We'll have to edit this out. It's definitely Shaquille O'Neal. Let's get him on the line. I, we're going to sort this out. I, I think if Shaq. we can get him to call in, whoever this guy is, you, you're going to be best friends with him. You're going to be closer than you ever I have. know. See? Right? It is. Um yeah, there's probably something in there. But no, I don't think I have any arch rivals. Not, not really. I kind of had to let go of a lot of this because we started, you know, we have the thing for a long time in the band called The Reverse Curse, where anybody that opened up for us would get super famous and win Grammys and have supermodel wives. <laughs> you know, it was like Maroon 5 and John Mayer and Fun and yeah. all these bands would just like, they'd open up for us and then they'd just like go and win life. And we would be like, cool. We're cool. Um, so I had to kind of get over all that stuff really early because that happened a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a strange thing. I remember the like the first three um, girls I ever dated, they all, the next person they dated, they all married them and they were, and then uh, I was like that movie Good Luck Chuck or with uh, Dane Cook. 
Oh, that's so weird. I was talk I was thinking about Dane Cook last night. In fact, this is a whole other thing. We can't talk about this too much because it'll be the whole time. But I'm on this social media app called Clubhouse, and I'm obsessed with it. Okay, yeah. And Dane Cook was on it last night, and I went in this whole wormhole. I was like, "Oh, Dane Cook. I haven't thought about him in forever." And so I Googled him, and the first thing that came up is he's like 46, and he's like in love with a 20 year old. And that was like that was like when you Google Dane Cook, it was like, "Oh, Dane Cook," and his trounces out his new girlfriend is 20 and and (laughs) then i read the article and it was like people people was like say i'm robbing the cradle but i couldn't rob the cradle because she wasn't alive for the first 26 i'm not doing the joke but it was something (laughs) super self-aware and pretty gross but i was like okay this is pretty funny and it made me kind of like him yeah one of one of my favorite um skits in in media ever is um that louis ck had that show where he's got that um episode about where he's mad that dane cook is stealing his bits so he goes to confront him about it but he goes to meet dane cook before his gig at madison square garden yeah so they're like arguing in the green room right before dane cook's about to like go out and perform to twenty thousand people (laughs) and but but there was something about that, right? Like that happened in real life. And then yeah. that, right? There was like a real beef a little bit. And then it was like, they kind of came around to it because Dane Cook like owned up to it. Yeah, I don't, well, he didn't own up to it in the show, but Louis C.K. had a bit about an itchy asshole and then and then Dane Cook did one about his itchy asshole. Yeah, mate, you're right. Yeah, well, I just remember, yeah, because he was, he was maligned Dane Cook for a long time. And I think I understood why. But then last, yeah, anyway, funny that came up Dane Cook I hadn't thought about him in probably 15 years yeah maybe he won't for another 15 years I hear comics kind of like rip on him a lot on podcasts but they I think they also respect him because I think he's like yeah he's like maybe he's like some sort of like Taylor Swift of comedy or something he's like comedy for everyone or it's like maybe it's just like too arena mainstream for for like nuanced alt comics and shit like that yeah, although you can't do that Taylor Swift anymore because Taylor Swift, there is no box she doesn't check anymore. I don't know if you, if yeah, you heard, I don't know anything she's about like, Taylor Swift. I just try to think of a giant name. Yeah, she's like the coolest. There's like nobody that doesn't love her. Every hipsters love her, pe- moms love her, children love her. You gotta come up with another name. Um, yeah, what could be another? What could be? What could be another name of somebody like Imagine Dragons? Okay, there you go. Yeah, that that brings it full circle. <laughs> I feel like you're. I, I've only seen you play one time, but I feel like you're pretty into like uh, writing bits and comedy and improv and stuff. Is that is that something that's a new thing for you, or have you always kind of been into that, like getting weird on stage and and making up bits as you go, making up songs? Well, there's no there's no writing anything really. We didn't. We. I mean, I think that really early on, you know, it's like when we started playing, it was just like, we were just like who we were on stage as we were off stage. You know what I mean? Like here I am. So it's like this thing that we're doing is what I do with my kids and what I do with the, 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 the dude that sells me my bagel and also on stage. So it was like, and it also just seemed to help everybody feel okay. Like, I like, you know, it's like, hey, you're going to show. I'm not nervous. You're not nervous. We're just going to talk. And then everybody's like, oh, that's just a guy. And then you play a song and you're like, oh, I like that guy. I like this song. And then so it all just kind of fed itself. And then somewhere along the line, actually, oh, I think I know. And then, oh, 
F-35s are going to start flying over. Oh, I can but hear them. That's cool. Yeah, it's the world's most expensive weapon, and we live in, like, bucolic, wooded Vermont, but it's so weird. Anyway, we can talk about that later. But then we did a tour in, like, the 90s with Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, yeah, um, my favorite first band. Yeah, and they were really big in Milwaukee, and and they were. this was, like, peak powers. We did every... We opened up every... For them in every basketball arena in the country, um, and they would just run bits like probably a third of their set was amazing bits. And I had always thought like, oh, like once we start to get big, you can't really like air it out or like be extemporaneous or be jokey. And I was like, that was the like, best part of their show. Yeah. And so that was like when I saw when I saw that, that was really empowering. I was just like, oh, we can like be funny and then be casual and have fun on stage. Um, and then so it just kind of got built in a little bit on that. like, And then I would never discuss this with the band. It would be like, okay, cool, after the fourth song. But I would like have a mental note of like, okay, I got to have a couple things I can bring up yeah. during a show to be like, okay, we're in Milwaukee. Oh, there's a grocery store. There's an Atari 2600 in there. And everybody would yeah. be like, wow. And I'd be like, and then you kind of do a thing. And it just kind of became part. Of, and then the band would sometimes, we would write songs, but it would never, we'd never talk about this stuff. And and the thing about improv, and I don't know if you're an improv dude, but like sometimes, especially with musicians, like even if it's bad, people just appreciate that you're doing it. So there's not a lot of pressure to be super funny. You're just right. like, and especially with music, it's just like, oh, our band can make up a song on the spot and it's pretty good. So even if I'm just saying garbage, funny stuff, then it was like, oh, okay, well, they just tried and then everybody's there together. And especially because we don't improvise music. You know, like, that's why people like fish or whatever, because sure. it's just like, oh, we're going somewhere together. And so, like, that was the journey. And then you get to play more music. That's what I love about Bare Naked Ladies when they would make up shit. Although they were they were and are exceptionally funny people. But then the last point about this is I was so inspired by this. As, um, I was watching, I was, uh, our last tour, the one that we were on in the middle, like, a year ago, where we had to stop, was an improv we brought an improv comic out with us from UC, that we I knew from uh, UCB, uh, this guy Connor Ratliff, and he was like a master of ceremonies. And we did an improv comedy concert where we like made up like eight or nine songs, and we would play eight or nine songs, like like play like twenty songs, and it was this whole crazy thing. And it's hard to explain, really, but. It was amazing, and it was like one of the. It was definitely the coolest, weirdest thing we ever did. So that became like I don't think that's what we're gonna do every time, but it was just like we brought a comic yeah. out that was in our band for the entire show, that's and would so like cool. kind of go off stage and then come back on. And he was such a pro; we were kind of like his backup band. But it was there was no like he we weren't opening. He wasn't opening up for us. It was like we would go out as like a because we had string players. Like we would go out as like a seven piece and leave as a seven piece. It was yeah, really totally. weird. It was so cool. I love the, the idea of like yeah. Um, I play a lot of solo gigs and there's a lot of banter and improv and I I love the idea of like bringing like an Andy Richter type character with like a fake desk that you just set on the side of the stage and then he just rips on me in between every song. I feel like that would take exactly. a lot of pressure off like the solo monologuing, but but yeah, on your point to like improv songwriting on stage, like I I find that a way to keep the show like you know spicy and 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 new to people who have seen the band play a few times already but uh yeah once in a while i'll just bomb so bad and it just won't work nothing will hit but then like i'll have like a canned line that i'll, I'll say something like well 
God damn, like, uh, you now can tell your kids and your grandkids you were here to witness the worst song ever written. <laughs> yeah. And that exactly. kind of like rescues it a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's it's always it's always worth the risk. Tell me about like um, having kids, and I feel like you know I don't have kids, but I feel like that's a thing where I've seen some of my friends like treat their kids as peers instead of like treating them like little kids, and I feel like um, that's such a cool thing. Maybe it's a very like European thing, but it. it is that a way to like learn a lot more from your kids and like because they have information that we don't have as grown people? We're all corrupted and past the imprinting phase. Yeah, I mean, my kids are twelve and ten, so they're like at a. I mean, I guess it's all a cool age. Although I didn't really like them that much when they were like f- under four. <laughs> Maybe because of what you're talking. I mean, I liked them fine, but I couldn't like hang out with them. You know what I mean? Like the the older they get the more I can just like hang out with them. And yeah, we didn't, we didn't really like baby talk them or anything like that. And, you know, we try and be very, my wife and I try and yeah, kind of treat them like, like, you know, not peers really. Cause there's like a lot of stuff and like, it's, I mean, it is super interesting to watch them uh, vis-a-vis technology and like with the screens and, and all this stuff. And like, you know, my daughter is, is an artist. She just is, even though she's 12, like she's a, she makes, she makes poems that are beautiful and she draws and, and like the, she's been doing this animation on flip a clip and I'm just looking in she's like, Oh, it's just layer list, layer list, layer list. I'm like, you know how to do Photoshop. Like, how do you know how to do this stuff? And my son is doing all this, like, stuff deep in minecraft and so like i'm like that kind of technology stuff that's like supporting creativity is really fascinating yeah but also like some of the stuff now that they're in like you know they're in seventh and fifth grade so seeing the social stuff come up like that shit's older than time i'm like oh that's mean girl shit or it's hard to be like you know it's it's hard not to be insecure or that guy's a bully or whatever like that stuff is like oh it like breaks my heart because i'm like oh i this is so hard like being a king being a kid and learning how to not care what other people think and how to find your people and how to find your voice and all these things like that is not even though the world is changing like that stuff is older that that will always exist so like and there, there's not a lot i can do other than just kind of be like Try not to give into the drama here or remove yourself from the text chain or, you know, that's a cry for help. Maybe we should talk to her mom, <laughs> whatever, right. you know, that kind of stuff. Like, um, but it's, you know, I was, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a very, the, the parenting thing is like, look, you're a, you're a creator, I think, and you make a lot of stuff and there are things you make that you probably care a lot about that you spend a lot of time on that you put a lot of your heart and soul in and, and kids are just like the ultimate expression of that. It's just like the coolest, most dramatic, uh, emotionally wrought project you'll ever be involved with. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds weird to call it a project, but it's just like it's so all-consuming, you know, and it never goes away. And then it gives you, ba- it goes back to you. So, yeah, I mean, we tried to be. We're we're pretty cool. I'm definitely fucking those kids up in a lot of ways all the time. <laughs> Permanent damage. To, yeah, definitely, and trying to figure out how to not to do that, but it's been, yeah, it happens. I feel really fortunate to have been, like, the last group of kids that didn't have social media in high school, like, just missed it by, like, a year, How old honestly. Are you? 
I am Aldi? 34 now. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cause I was, I'm, I'm f- almost 15 years older than you. And I was just getting my first email address when I graduated from high, from college, like in the in mid nineties. So yeah, you're, yeah, I think it's, it's not, it's not good. Social media is not good at that age. It's, it just exacerbates so much stuff. Yeah. And I, I wonder if I'm interested to hear, like, if your kids are like, are they like kind of, are there times where they're like, man, social media is bullshit. Like, I really don't need to participate in this. Or is it kind of just, is it hard to be aware because it's such a powerful tool? Well, we've been, we were like, no Instagram, no TikTok. Like, we're very not, I mean, it's, we're very super lax on screen time. And usually because it's in the pursuit of like hanging out with friends or making stuff. But so they're not on like Facebook or my like MySpace <laughs> or MySpace or TikTok or anything, but they're but they still have tech like so we were like we can't do that we're not going to do that but then all of a sudden it's just like and they don't even have their own phones really they have like an iPad they can use but then they're on text chains and it's just like oh that's exactly social media it's different you know because it's but it's yeah. like oh there's that cool text chain or she left the text chain or I didn't you know. That kind of stuff is like, oh, we did so well to be like, can't have the social media thing. But text chains have basically replaced that in a lot of ways. And I'm like, right. oh, fuck. So I forget what the question was. So. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, hey, you mentioned MySpace. I couldn't help but I haven't thought of MySpace in such a long time. But uh, a quick, quick MySpace anecdote. A couple of years ago, I'd, I'd put out an album and uh, my publicist got, had gotten me a MySpace Artist of the Day feature. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, MySpace wasn't really relevant oh, right. anymore, but it was kind of a relic. And I was like, oh, I grew up on that. That'll be cool. So they they sent me a bunch of questions and, you know, I, I spent a bunch of time replying to them and they were all like kind of quirky responses, you know, maybe in the ethos of a, of a, of a BNL or a, or, or a Ryan Miller ethic. And um, they got the, the questions back from me and I got a message from my publicist saying, we are not going to run Brett Newski as artist of the day. Um, we're blackballing him from MySpace. He didn't take the article seriously enough, oh, so no. I wasn't serious enough for MySpace, and um, I'm I'm blackballed from uh, from. Wow, MySpace. that's like that's like one of those sliding door moments where you either like it scars you for life, and you don't know you can't trust yourself, or it just emboldens you to to like go on a life of like Andy Kaufman. <laughs> it was great. I mean, like. Good. It, yeah, it I, I wrote a blog about it, and the blog went kind of bonkers, and people thought it was funny. So, yeah, that's great. That's good material. Dan yeah. Cook would know what to do with that. Yeah, yeah. The first couple years of like doing the music and like being in public, I didn't ever know how to like deal with um, negative reviews or like people writing mean stuff. And then like after after a few years, I just started retweeting all that stuff and like sharing it, and it just became like part of the the shtick and um i think people love love a uh, a hate retweet you know oh yeah definitely wait so what's the deal you're 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 a songwriter touring musician visual artist podcaster guy like if you're a multi-hyphenate what are your hyphens <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um i play i play geek rock i would say i would i play diet grunge music i play i got a band i play some so a lot of solo touring um but yeah i started the podcast earlier in the year and i, I do love drawing um 
I'm trying to finish a book of illustrations making fun of my own depression uh, later in the year. It's called Hard to Be a Person. But yeah, so I'm, <laughs> those great. are the things I'm doing. And uh, my drawings are, really haven't, I've been drawing since I was a little man, you know, since I was like four. And my drawings haven't really evolved stylistically <laughs> past like the fourth grade. You know, they're the same, yeah, but sure. they still kind of work. You know, so I'm, so I'm going to keep going. Yeah, that's like that's what I love about Dimitri Martin and his sort of four-year-old drawings. People, Are you a people, fan of I it? get him sometimes. They're like, you know, Dimitri Martin. Yeah, they say I look like him, which I don't know, but <laughs> oh, you kind of do. He's a he's got glasses. He's very funny and he's very dry. You're a lot more sincere than he is. But um, his drawings are very rudimentary, but they have, like, there's a lot of pathos in there. I love that they're, like, everything's two-dimensional, but it's, he does a lot with very little. You should look at, he has yeah. some books that are really great. Okay. If, like, that, that, I, that are just, like, they're very, very funny, and they're, like, they're, he does a lot with a little. It sounds like what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, totally, totally. Are you, do you have, like, side missions you work on or creative oh my God. missions to I'm get like, away from music? I'm like super side mission guy. Um, yeah, I started I started scoring films like 10 years ago. Um, I made a, I scored a film, my buddy called Safety Not Guarantee that went to Sundance in 2012 and like oh, cool. won Sundance. And then I started scoring films and doing commercials. And that was like the first thing I ever really did outside the band. And then that went really well. And I think, it started to, it just empowered me to start making, like, doing what you're doing, kind of, like, side, like, multi-hyphenating shit. So, like, I hosted, I have, I had a couple TV shows here in Vermont, and Vermont PBS. One was, like, where I was host of a show called Making Friends with Ryan Miller, where I ran around and tried to find people to hang out with here in Vermont, and... <laughs> Uh, and then I hosted like a music one where I interviewed like musicians that played at the thing, but we'd shoot the show and kind of like comedians in cars, but then like mixed with Austin city limits. And so I did that and, and, um, yeah. And now I'm just like, I literally like, I have so many side hustles, uh, you know, I'm also like I'm in the middle of a podcast right now. I did, I did, I made an animated series with my buddy. I'm like, literally got a script yesterday for someone wants me to act in a movie, which I acted in a movie last year. Like somewhere in the last like 10 years, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like, I'm just going to be an artist and I'm just going to do stuff that makes me happy. And even if it doesn't make any money. So I like, yeah, I do. I probably like 20 like side hustles, all of various levels of success and, and development. Sidecar. Yeah. I got a lot of side Ryan cars. Miller's sidecar. There's, there's your website. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. That, 4%, that, and that, 4%. I have that and kissing cousins. Right. This has been a successful podcast. What, whatever happened to sidecars? I, I, I've always been a fan. I miss them. I never see them in public anymore. Underrated. Who's that? Sorry. I'm sorry, Miss. I, my 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 this my little adapter that goes from eighth inch to quarter inch mm -hmm. is like really janky. So if I move, I, I I missed the first part of the question. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just talking about um, sidecars and how they're you know. No, you no, I got that. But anymore. do you? Oh, 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 yeah. I never see sidecars. Yeah, I was just gonna make a really weird shitty rant about sidecars, but your quarter inch adapter blew it, Miller. <laughs> really did. I'm so sorry. I should get a nicer one. 
I have a full studio. Everything hangs on that one adapter. And it's such just... a thing, man. I know that I know the feeling because I've got adapters. I've got little trinkets, converters, Asia plug to US, quarter inch to eighth inch to 36th inch. And it's always the thing, man. You you bump them and the sound cuts out right at the solo where you're about to rip a solo. It's terrible. And they cost like a buck thirty. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be hard to get a different adapter. They cost a buck thirty, but if you need one like ASAP, you got to go to Target, and that and that's where they get you because Target charges like twenty one ninety nine for the thing yeah, that costs ninety nine cents on the internet, yeah. and that's just business strategy, is what that is. Fuck Target, that's what I say. I know I'm a Target fan, though. It's like that's I buy all my clothes from Target now. They, I feel like they got like, some good stuff, but apparently they, they do use, have good stuff. They're not like they're still like pro sweatshop, which is not good. Oh, really? Where I I hope that what did I buy? Oh, I went into a Target the other day. My wife loves Target. We don't have one in Vermont. We just where we didn't for a long time. And now we have like a half Target, but there's one in Plattsburgh, New York. You have to take the ferry, and she gets very excited when we can go. It's like our annual trip to Target, and they had um they had a Hunter pop up, which is like like robust all weather stuff. Do you know what Hunter clothing are? I don't know. No. It's like it's like it's like fancy, and I was like, "No way, Hunter!" And it kind of got me into the Target clothes system. But I honestly, there's there's like a Walmart. We have one of two WalMarts in in Vermont. It's kind of close to the house, and even though I don't love going there, sometimes just shit. I like it's good for adapters, right? They don't charge you twenty two dollars at Walmart. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you're an adapter I, guy, and you gotta have places to go for that. <laughs> Yeah, but like you go there, like if you need an adapter and a barbecue sandwich and a windshield wiper, that's where you go. You know, you don't have Single to make three wiper. Stops. Yeah, one wiper. But sometimes I look at the clothes in the man section and I'm like, that's a cool. Sh- I'm like, that's a cool shirt. I'd wear that Walmart shirt. Like, I got no problem with that at all. All right, here's what's going to happen. We're starting a podcast where we just walk around Targets across America and podcast live on the move till we get kicked out, and it's called Man Section. <laughs> the Man Section. Okay, done. What's getting you pumped like about the future? Are you, you kind of leaned on the optimistic spectrum, or are we out of the ab- abyss of sadness? What's going on in your brain? Yeah, I mean, I'm super duper excited these days. Like, I was actually just texting with my buddy um, five seconds before we came on, and he was texting me since we've been on it because he just told me he was getting the vaccine. I was like, gotta be honest, like, I get a little teary every time one of my bros, like, posts the photo of them with the needle in their arm. And um, and it's been, like, a nutty, a nutty year and some high highs and low lows, and that's evened out a bit but and and there's some been some really cool stuff to be this invested in my family for the first time in my life where i've been like fully in it and uh but man yeah i mean i'm just like i miss i can't i can't i can't wait to like go to la or go to new york or sit in a restaurant or go to a bar or like run into people and yeah i'm like very excited i'm very optimistic i'm so like We've got a. We made a duck. We we did one show in the last year. Guster did at a at a drive-in, and um, we we documented it. A buddy of ours uh, recorded, and we made like a twenty-five minute donk, long documentary. And it sort of long story short, Is like it it, it's coming out next week, a week from today. Um, and for you know a few reasons, like it didn't come out like 
so we're putting out this documentary. It's like really about like the depths of COVID and it's so, and we were talking about it and it's just like, it's not really where people want to be right now. You know, it's not even really, really going to be, we don't want to, I don't want to be looking back at like the last year yet. I'm so like forward looking. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful documentary. It's very honest and, and it's like cool to connect with our fans, but like, it feels weird to promote something that's like, Oh, this happened in August when we were like really super bummed or whatever. Cause I don't, nobody feel, I don't feel that way. And a lot of people I know don't feel that way. They're just like summer's coming, especially yeah. like you have the vibe, you know, Milwaukee is the same as Vermont. Like we get seven months of winter and like summer in Milwaukee is one of the most remarkable places to be. Like it's yeah, beautiful man. place is incredible. You got the lake, you got Summerfest, you got outdoor dining and everything's, everybody's happy. They have been inside. Like, so like, you know, that's happening here in Vermont too. Like oh, man, we're I'm just tearing, like, I'm tearing up how much you love Milwaukee. <laughs> it's so awesome, I do, man. I do love Milwaukee. Um, and like so, you know the feeling too. So it's all kind of it's all kind of wrapped up in all this stuff, and the fact that like, you know, the vaccines are getting them. The, my parents have got, my wife's parents have got it. My friend just texted me this morning. My friends who are lying in L.A. are getting it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like it's all coming, and uh, the world's going to turn back on, and everybody's going to be so excited to see each other and be and commune. So yeah, I'm super. I'm super optimistic. It is about it coming. It is very exciting, and and here's here's why I can tell personally why things are are starting to to shift. It's like, you know, six months ago when like someone would like show up or call you and like open with mask talk or want to talk about COVID nuances, like people would be interested and be like, yeah, let's let's riff about the politics of masks. And now, like, I see like someone like open with mask talk and you can see immediately everyone in the peripheral just completely turns off. They're like, ah, I'm good. I don't <laughs> want to talk about masks. You know, let's just, no. let's just, that I feel like COVID has become the new small talk instead of weather. And yeah, uh, right. let's go back to weather for Christ's sake. <laughs> my, my small talk is like whenever you get together for holidays and stuff, we call it root talk. So, how'd you get here? Oh, it's just 75 up here, and it's like, root talk? Yep. Oh, my God. I can't get into root talk. I hate fucking root talk. I hate root talk. But root talk is the, is the new weather talk, is the new COVID, is the new mask talk. Yeah, I'm, 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 and I get it. I, and I think what we figured out with COVID very early, at least for me, is like, everybody's got a lane, and no one's changing their mind. Yeah, so, yeah. what the fuck? Why are we even going to try and convince one another about it? Yep. Which is how I feel about religion and politics also, by the way. You stay in your lane and you, you take the same route every time you go to the same place. You know, root talk, COVID talk, whether it's synonymous. Um, exactly. I, I mean, I like, yeah, small talk, one of the banes of my existence. And that's kind of, that's where this podcast has become a great exercise for me. It's like, all right, so how can how can we just try to talk about something we've never talked about before, even if it might be a little even if we bomb you know at least we're rolling the dice a little bit and exploring some new things and that's kind of like i feel like it's even opened some maybe some channels and pathways in my brain because i you know i'd be, come off a year of doing like 150 shows you know having the same conversations every night because you only kind of get to talk to each person for one or two minutes so oh um, right yeah. yeah i don't like that either i don't like those i don't like those canned things hate the canned yeah yeah well that's cool man it's it's uh it's good to see hear and feel the momentum churning and um 
Yeah, you have a you have a very like kind of a light um, blue aura around you that I feel like uh, it it, uh, it 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 maybe attracts optimism. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, it's a energy is an important thing, and I like sort of unironically started using that term. You know, a decade ago, or just like oh, that's good energy, and 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 what that means, and you know, it's funny like of the things as I got older and I kind of figured out what I was good at. I think that's like a big thing is like figuring out as you, you know, not caring what people think, but also just figuring out like, what do I do? Like, what's it, what's it, I really do well, you know, it's like, what, it's not even like, what do I want to do? It's just like, what do I do well? Like, what's my special thing that I can, cause I think a lot of people, most people have a thing that they do. And I think that was kind of my, my thing was like, even with starting to host a show, it was just like, Oh, I can make people feel really comfy really quickly and I can be very real. And that was like part of what we were talking about at the beginning of just like even just setting that stuff at a show, just like welcome. Yeah. You know, it's not like, welcome, we're gonna rock your fucking face up, motherfuckers and which is cool or like and everybody some people can do that. Like Andrew WK does that very well and like radio you know, Radiohead sets a stage in a completely other way and a lot of people that we could talk about and yeah. the thousands and thousands all do the thing they do really well and part of what i do is i'm just like hey this is cool we're super psyched to be here this is what we're gonna do and everybody feels that and then i feel it and then that whole thing happens and so i've been very like i'm aware of it um now and i think once i became aware of like that kind of energy stuff and like what attracts me and what repulses me and who like i'm able to build a community around me of like good people like even though they don't necessarily like my buddy yesterday's got a restaurant in richmond and i was like oh you got to meet this other guy and i'm just like i was trying to set them up because one guy is a, is a lighting guy and he needs some lights for his new restaurant i was like you're just gonna like each other you're just like good good energy stuff so like energy is just like a huge part of like how i navigate the universe totally um, yeah, and and Huge. after you're alive for you know enough years, you you can finally start to pick up on that. That's something I wish I kind of would have known about ten years ago, um, because I could have been like more intentional about you know who I was spending time with and uh, who was healthy for me and what even like rooms and environments were kind of better for the brain. Was there a time when you 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 kind of talked about kind of like finding yourself, finding your groove, find like doubling down on what you were good at? What was like the the for lack of a better term darker ages of ryan miller like before you kind of found yourself and kind of figured out who you were what what was that like well i mean this has been a constant process it's still ongoing so i'm not like at the top of the mountain by a long shot um but i you know i don't know like i was always had good people around and like i, I was really lucky i mean even the band that we i've that we met met 30 years ago this year like so those two dudes brian and adam like i met them and they're like really good people you know so it's like weird that my radar that's part of that's not even part of this why we're a band is because like i didn't get in a band with a fuck up like a horrible person or a fucking you know we all were just kind of good dudes and we were able to grow up around each other and help each other grow up and all that stuff but they were like we're all good we got the seed was there so I think my radar even back then was good. And when I think about my friends in high school, like they were all really good people too. But I don't know, like there wasn't like super dark times. I mean, I was definitely 
college was like me just kind of like becoming i was just like i got lost my virginity when i was really old like after college mm. <laughs> and i think i was just really like i just hadn't really like college was 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 big or just like just being cool about who i was you know like just like not knowing how to talk to girls and maybe trying really hard and stuff and like yeah so I, I wouldn't say it was dark it was just like i just hadn't quite locked into like being confident and i think the band honestly just helped a lot it's like once i was able to like oh i'm in a f even though our band wasn't super great and you know whatever 95 or mm -hmm. it was just like oh it gave me some confidence to not have to try as hard and then i was able to kind of get into all get into the the gestalt of the thing but the, but i think it's been like something something happened in the last like 15 years where i was just like about the energy stuff where i was just like oh you know like even like my wife on paper was not a someone i thought I was gonna marry like you know she doesn't do drugs <laughs> she doesn't like to go out she's not hyper social like she wanted to live in vermont she like hangs out with her she like her favorite people or her family like i'm just like that's not i'm like i want to go to burning man every day you know what i mean <laughs> every and like day. i want to go every day and i was but but what i loved about her was like i really loved how like she had a that that like blue energy or whatever yeah. so i was like oh okay so even though like on paper we don't really share a lot of the same interests right. that energy thing was like that's what i want to be around that's yeah. what i want to spend my life around so i think I started to clue into that, like, but I wasn't even probably able to articulate it like that, even when we met. Yeah. So here's, yeah, here's something not... like, I kind of want to ask you about like, you know, sometimes I have really, you know, I have good friends through my life or, or close friends that I, that I think we're going to be like best friends for life. And then they kind of fall away or they're, you know, you drift apart with people and then sometimes I just never expect that, and I'm a, I'm a bit let down by it. Do you have any advice for like maintaining long life relationships when we're talking twenty, thirty years, forty years? I saw something on Reddit the other day. It was like a, it was like some post. It was like, what I can't remember what the query was, but it was sort of basically like, see this big group of friends you're hanging out with in high school and college that will never happen again. And like, you know, like you kind of get a gang. I don't know. I always had like a bunch of different gangs together. And, um, I, and I think that's like, a, and I just see that a lot. And this isn't, this isn't true of me personally, because I'm really good at this and I really cherish my friendships. And I found people that like, I, I, I will say this, I will say my relationships as I've, as I've become an adult, especially probably in the last like 20 years, are relationships that don't require maintenance they're people that you just see and yeah. then you're just like you pick right up yeah. and it's not like oh man and you don't feel like you have to maintain them they're just like people you can pick up and those are the relationships that endure in life because you find a partner you have kids you have crazy work stuff but then you know i travel around the country and i got a list of people i want to see and like whatever and i'd be like oh cool i'm gonna see someone today i'm gonna meet this person for coffee and then if that kind of clicks in and it doesn't feel like oh i don't know how to talk to you it's been so long what is going on like the relationships that endure are the ones that you can kind of pick up in the in just on the run and you can have a great experience and then you're like you're like yeah and then you touch and then you hang and then yeah. you go away yeah. and so those i think finding i guess the only advice per se would be like cherish those people 
You know, like that's the, those are the relationships worth putting energy into with the people that you don't require maintenance. They're like, oh, I haven't talked to you in so long because like, I hate talking on the phone. I hate like catching up sometimes. Like I'm just not, I don't really have the energy for that, but I love seeing people and I love yeah. doing stuff. So like, yeah, I think that's like a really good thing is to find those, find and on like really honor those relationships that- out there. That's a really great seem, insight, Ryan. Cool. But you seem like a very friendly, gregarious guy. So, and that, you know, your lack of interest in small talk probably will serve you well in all of this stuff that you'll just like find comrades and, and stuff. But, you know, social media is helpful too for that because it's like I can check in on people and be like, oh, you just, you just did this thing or you just got a dog or whatever. Like, I mean, I, I really like social media in that sense because I, I, the people who who post on social media not excessively obviously but like where i can kind of keep tabs on what's going on it's good i i'm i'm invested in a lot of my friends like wins and losses and stuff you know yeah man yeah well said I, you know the future is going to be fine and if not great i'm i'm pretty pumped for what's to come and uh <laughs> we're coming out of the the black hole so it's been really fun man i feel like i've known you 20 years and uh We'll have to uh, we'll have to drink some uh, some coffee in uh, in real life when uh, in Milwaukee on the on the biking bridge when it presents oh, itself. I can't wait. Yeah, I'd love to. I don't think I have a buddy. I don't think I have a buddy in Milwaukee. I like I had a there's a girl I met once um, who was from there and I I kissed her a few times and she was awesome. <laughs> um, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> I haven't kissed anybody but my wife in a very long time. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I have a pal in Milwaukee. All right, I, man. We could, we could, we could be pals. Hell we can yeah. get on the, get on a little city bike and like go and I got to remember the name of that. What's the name of that neighborhood? It's I'll like on the borrow North. my Schwinn 1979. Yeah, exactly. Wait, yeah that's the uh, the- well, there's a park downtown right by the lake and that's called, it's called State Shore Park or something like that. And um, yeah, that wraps around to Walker's Point, um, which is one of the old historic districts. And then uh, Third Ward, which you know, Conejito is the taco joint. And then that wraps into downtown and then upward to River West, which is kind of the crusty, River West. Yeah. Artistic I think that's the kind one of that... punk rock neighborhood. It's a great neighborhood. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, that's, that's the neighborhood I always kind of go to recently. There's always yeah. new shit going on up there. Well, cool, brother. I really appreciate you coming on, um, and we'll uh, we'll link up soon. Much love, okay. much respect. Yeah, thanks for a good chat. Hello, that's the program. Grab a vinyl record from Guster's Web Store on their website. Um, pre-order my book. It's called "It's Hard to Be a Person." Defeating Anxiety, Surviving the World, and Having More Fun. You get a tour poster when you pre-order the al- the uh, the book. And uh, there's also a little eight-song new album of uh, acoustic thrashers that, uh, that comes with it if you're interested. No pressure whatsoever. Leave us a little mini review if you have a spare nine seconds on your smartphone, a.k.a. Pocket God. And that is all the... PSAs I have for today. Much love, much respect, and we'll um, we'll see you guys next week on Dirt from the Road. Choop choop. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job; it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. 
If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.